0: Mille Blanc lay at the bottom of the hill opposite the village of Castroux, behind Au cordier's farm. The guest-house in turn was below the main building beyond the swimming pool. The Harveys and their own guests dined on the terrace above the house itself, overlooking the valley while the p g perspective was brought up short by the square line of the chateau Wood. Yet the presence of the visitors, in the form of obese, shrieking toddlers, or the television turned up loud to Sky Sports, was a permanently irritating reminder of what Ashling believed herself to have left behind, a mosquito itch of small but significant failures. She had spent more than she ought on furnishing La Maison Bleue, determined that it should not display the usual, tasteless collection of half-broken surplus furniture with which many English filled their shabby gite. Each room was painted a different, soft-faded pastel, inspired, as Ashling informed potential renters in her brochure, by the famous frescoes in the church at Landy. The two bathrooms were large and modern. There was a dishwasher and a microwave, and... Against Ashling's aesthetic judgment, the Digibox, so beloved of expats, which everyone pretended they installed merely to keep up with the cricket, but which gave access to all English television channels. Ashling had been delighted when the inspector from Charme Francais had pronounced La Maison Bleue fit for inclusion in the guide, particularly as the woman, a weary-seeming divorcee who lived in one of the grander parts of Provence, had arrived during a particularly raw weekend in March, when the countryside was stripped and ragged, and Ashling's crema catalana had, according to the blue leather book, come out stodgy and too full of aniseed. Oliver had commented most unhelpfully that it tasted like cough mixture, and both the boys had refused to show off their French. Mrs Highland was indifferent to Ashling's food, claiming that she preferred a salad and a huge lump of cheese, and had grimly shone a torch under the beds and inspected the lavatory cisterns. She and Jonathan had had a long and apparently satisfactory discussion about drains— oblivious to Ashling's increasingly frantic attempts to divert her onto the delights of Castro Market or the view from the pool terrace. Nevertheless, Ashling felt that the credit for the entry, stunning location, highly comfortable, large swimming pool, sleeps ten, was hers rather than the plumbing's, though it was a pity Mrs Highland hadn't had room to say anything about the frescoes. Mrs. Highland's lack of interest in Ashling's attempts at elegance was reflected in a similar obliviousness on the part of the readers of Charmes Francais. They came, numerously, to loll by the pool drinking beer and to stuff the fridge with cases of nasty white wine bought en route at Calais. They microwaved pizzas for their children and watched the television, and altogether, they claimed, had a wonderfully relaxing holiday. But they did not visit the monastic museum at Landy, or the grottoes at Sceaux, or take any of the walks Ashling had so painstakingly marked in pink highlighter pen on a large-scale map. Occasionally, Ashling would meet one of the wives at the Saturday morning market in the village, surly sunburned husband trailing behind with an absurd rustic basket. And Ashling would smile gaily to conceal her cringing at their bulging shorts and suggest that they try the goat's cheese that dear little Monsieur le Filastre made himself and brought wrapped in fig leaves and brown string, or the walnut bread for which Castroux was known. Inevitably, the straw basket was filled with scented soaps attached to wooden paddles, impractically small bottles of flavoured olive oil, and tins of cassoulet. Ashling imagined them, these gastronomic souvenirs, lingering, dusty and reproachful, in the back of English kitchen cupboards, until the obese toddlers grew up and threw them out when they shunted their parents to a nursing home. Ashling herself did not wear shorts, or wilting patterned skirts, or foolish straw hats. Her hair was neatly and expensively shaped into a collarbone length bob once a month in Toulouse. In the mornings, particularly...